Hey friends, welcome to the Jesus Collective Podcast. My name's Matt. We're so glad you're tracking with us. Jesus Collective is a new relational network of churches and leaders with a vision to unite, amplify, and equip this Jesus-centered movement that God is raising up all over the place. During this pilot season, we're experimenting with different ways to build relationships with people in this movement, to put language to what Jesus-centered means, and to have meaningful and honest equipping conversations about the issues and opportunities facing our churches in this increasingly post-Christian context we find ourselves in. So, this podcast is one of those tools. You might find a number of different types of conversation formats shared here, and we hope you find it meaningful and engaging. You can learn more about us, join our mailing list, find information about upcoming online and in-person events, all that good stuff, at our microsite at JesusCollective.com, or you can find us on social media. And hey, we love hearing feedback and ideas and just meeting new Jesus-y people, so you can always reach out by email at connect at JesusCollective.com. We'd love to hear from you. All right, let's get on with the podcast. Okay, we want to make really good use of our time today, so we're going to get started. Hello, welcome. Uh, whether you're here live with us or you're listening online, uh, we've got people actually represented from multiple different countries today, not to mention just a bunch of different backgrounds and places. So first off, let's just make sure you feel welcome. Um, my name's Matt. I uh, have the privilege of giving leadership to Jesus Collective in this early season with a great team. You're going to meet several of those people today. Um, we're not going to do an overview about Jesus Collective or anything today like we often do on our podcasts. Uh, Zalima, our project manager, will put some links in the chat window there if you're interested in learning more about us. We'd love to connect with you. Um, but we're just going to jump right in. I, I don't think the situation we're in needs a lot of introduction, to be honest. It's a, it's a bizarre time that we're in. It's a difficult time that we're in. Uh, but we were even just talking before we started the call today that it's also a really opportune time that we're in to think about how we can just share light and love to a world around us. Um, so we're here today to really try to mobilize a kingdom effort, but we're doing that together. First Corinthians 12 reminds us that we're one body and we are in this together and we need each other. So we've been reflecting on our role as Jesus Collective as the situation involves and just really feel committed to staying focused on equipping you as pastors and leaders and uniting you together. So we're not here to export perfect solutions. We're here to try to create safe spaces for collaboration, for learning, for sharing, for unity. Uh, we realize that a lot of you are on the front lines right now in some pretty crazy and exhausting and confusing, and in some ways, like we said, exciting and opportune times. Um, we want you to see this as a space where you can be equipped, be resourced, be poured into, and be realizing that you're not alone in those efforts as well, because uh, you're certainly not. So, Wherever you are on the spectrum from just feeling paralyzed to feeling like, hey, you've already learned some things that you can share, we need each other. And we hope you feel like you've got a place today, but hopefully going forward as we resource you in the months to come as well. So um, I'm going to get out of the way as quick as possible here. We have some really courageous and Jesus-y people gathered on the call today that are just, as all of us are, experiencing what's happening in our world real time, but they're willing to just share some learnings that they're amassing, share some things that they're seeing in their communities including some from really hard-hit places. So we're going to turn it over to just a great group of people that will lead a discussion that you are invited to participate in as well, interactively and relationally today. That's really our heart at Jesus Collective. Um, we're going to be going just logistically till about 3.15, so you can plan your afternoon from here. Uh, we're going to try and hit that mark and then create some space for prayer together after that. That's really important for us if you're able to hang around after that. We want to be forming one another and praying together as a community too, and you're invited to hang around for that. We're also going to create a resource hub 
using a Google online drive uh, where we'll collect some things that are shared today and hopefully in the weeks and months to come and just try and equip you by making those available. So just wanted you to know that that's going to be generated. So if you have suggestions throughout the call, you want to drop in the chat of resources you found that might be helpful as people cope and try to plan as churches, please feel free to drop those in and we'll take an inventory of those and make sure you have access to that. Okay. So I'm going to pass it over to Brexy Cavey, actually, who's uh, been able to join us today um, just to share some pastoral reflections and pray for us as we start off. And then John Hand, our leadership development pastor, who some of you know, uh, will co-host a bit of a discussion with some of our guests um, with Angela Lamb, a great friend of ours who's a pastor at a church called New Life in Petaluma, California. So, Brexy, if you're there, over to you. Thanks, Matt. Hi, everyone. This is exciting. Thanks for joining us here in this new, uh, brave new world that we're heading into. Um, I was just sharing with our staff that, uh, something I'd love to build on with you folks. And, and to some extent, really what we're called to as fellow Christian leaders during this season is a ministry of reminding where we're, we're not uncovering anything new. We're not teaching anything that is um, deeply profound. We're reminding each other of the basics over and over again uh, in this world of competing voices. Um, and one of the things I'd love to just remind us of are a couple of images from the teaching of Jesus. Uh, one is his image of us being gathered under his wings as he takes the role of the mother hen. And he says in Matthew 23 to the religious leaders and to the people of Jerusalem, I've longed to gather you under my wings. You have been unwilling, but this is my heart. So we get a picture of Jesus's heart to just call us closer to himself and protect us and to love on us with all motherly instinct. And this is a beautiful, safe place and, a, and just a beautiful vision of the heart of Jesus through times like this. And I think it's beautiful for us to have the opportunity to reverse the story arc of the first century religious establishment where Jesus says, here's my heart, but you've been unwilling. You prevented it for us to just declare we are willing. We want to be there. Uh, Jesus, we, uh, we want you to pull us close. Um, and that's balanced in my mind also with Matthew 5, where Jesus is saying uh, that you're the light of the world and, and uh, you want to shine your light and people will see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly father. And so there is also that sense then of from a place of safety and rest in Jesus. I mean, Jesus, just as in Matthew 11, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and you'll find rest for your souls. Uh, the yoke though being an, uh, an instrument of work. So there's this kind of restful labor that we're called into, or this is that paradoxical place of being, you know, at home with uh, our, our, our hen, our mama bird resting under her wings. while at the same time we're heading out and getting stuff done with that restful attitude. And so in Matthew five, when Jesus says your good works are going to help people glorify your heavenly father, it just makes me think, uh, as I'm sure we've all been thinking, we were made for this. The church was built for this. The church has grown by being practically compassionate during difficult times from its inception. And so if there is any group of people on the planet who are not the medical experts, but who are experts in how to love well, that should be the kind of discipleship that we're involved in. So I just want to encourage our hearts to know that from that place of restful labor, uh, God's calling us to be who we, he's always called us to be. In some sense, there's nothing different. Uh, this is us, the church, being the best version of the church that we can be. That's what lies ahead for us. 
Can I, um, no, Matt, you had said, uh, uh, you encouraged me to share and pray. Can I just pray a brief prayer that we not just, um, sometimes I think hearing a devotional or reading scripture is like um, typing it into the keyboard, but then taking a moment of quiet meditation is like hitting the enter key and letting it just sink in. So can we just take a moment of quiet and let these words of Jesus being pulled in close, going out and showing our good deeds so that God is glorified and all of that being like restful labor and this being the identity of the church. Can all of that just sink in for a few moments and then I'll our time to go quiet with prayer. Let's just spend a few moments in quiet. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for giving us uh, the example and the teaching of Jesus to settle our hearts and also to invite us into, uh, into something that can be beautiful, purposeful, and creative and restful all at the same time. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to be our teacher now, to speak to us, to speak through us, to encourage us with creative ways forward in this time together. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 Thanks, Brux. Well, everybody, uh, my name is John Hand. I'm the uh, leadership development pastor for the Meeting House, and I'm on the leadership team at the Meeting House. So like you, in this last week, I've been uh, rolling up sleeves and trying to navigate all of these uh, changes that have been put our uh, thrown our direction. Um, and so that's been fun. And then I'm also a leadership development pastor for Jesus Collective, where I get to partner with friends like Angela Lamb uh, to do things like this, which is super exciting. So Angela, could you just briefly introduce yourself to everybody? Absolutely. I'm Angela Lamb. Good, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm a pastor in a church in Petaluma, California, which is just a little bit north of San Francisco. And as of midnight, we are on shelter in place orders. So uh, I am on this roller coaster, like the rest of you, having to uh, reinvent and then sometimes reinvent as new things come through. So I am here as co-host, but also I have my notepad next to me for ideas yes yeah well that's all of us so we we are uh, we're recording this so that hopefully within a very like one day max we would be able then to drop this into our podcast channels on spotify and itunes so that you can share this we're building an online um say depository for the best of uh, resources for the best of uh resources that are shared things referenced in this uh, chat so that we can equip you and we'll send you links to that. You can look in the chat if you're listening live uh, at different links coming through, things that are referenced. Uh, and then we'll do a follow-up so that you can have the link to the uh, online resource. So we have some special guests with us that we're excited to kind of really help them. Um, they kind of take point in starting the conversation and then together we'll continue the conversation. So we'll have a time of some interaction with our guests and then we'll transition to open Q&A where you get a chance to interact with our guests or you get a chance to share something that is really working well for you in this time. 
and uh, and then we'll, as Matt said, we'll transition to some time of prayer if you're able to hang in uh, time-wise. So let's introduce our guests. Why don't you go first, Angela? Okay, I would like to introduce George. George is a pastor who led a team to plant a church in Whitewater, uh, Whitewater Community Church up in Washington, which Washington, the state, has been in my prayers big time. I'm sure no matter where you're tuning in from today, you're thinking about Washington. And they are an incredibly missional community. 60% of their church has no church background whatsoever. So, George, would you give a wave or a say something so we can see you? So glad to join you guys. Glad to be here. Thanks for being here. John, would you like to go through the rest of the uh, introductions or uh, ask George his questions right off the bat? No, no, let's, let's, let's kind of set the table for who's here and then we'll, we'll go, we'll go quick hits. So uh, our other guest is Tara Beth Leach. Tara Beth has become a good friend of Jesus Collective and has just been a, a prophetic leader for parts of the, the North American church increasingly. She's a senior pastor at First Nazarene of Pasadena, Paz Naz. lovingly known as Paz Naz, uh, and the first, first female pastor uh, in the storied 115-year history of that church. So, like, very exciting things there. And, uh, and then our other friend with us today is Josh Hinman from New Life Church, which is up in Silverdale. So 20, Silverdale, Washington State. 20 years ago, uh, Wes Davis, the lead pastor there, and a group of young adults started a, a, a new community to reach people that were not being reached by the church at the time. And 20 years later, they are uh, spread out throughout uh, a peninsula up there across from the Puget, across the Puget Sound from Seattle. And their church is just doing amazing things. I was talking to one of their staff who said the other day, uh, our mantra in this zone is never waste a crisis. And I want to hear more of what, what they mean by that. So that's, that's exciting. So these are our guests, and, and we'll just dive right in. Uh, why don't we start with you? George, um, where, kind of just give us a, you have a five minutes here to give us a status update and then give us a sense of uh, what do you hope uh, is, can be said of your church at the end of this thing that we're in, whatever that, whatever it is that we're in, what do you hope your community where you live uh, knows of your church at the end of this time? Well, I wanted to be wise with our time, so I just I wrote some things, so I won't be quite as like zoned into you guys here. I'm going to read through some of these things because hopefully, hopefully, it's helpful. First thing is we've been telling our leaders, you know, first and foremost, we are neighbors of love and we're stewards of hope right now. Um, this is for a lot of internal leadership that we're neighbors of love and stewards of hope that we're stewarding hope. Um, and, um, we've really been, uh, we've really been emphasizing exactly what Bruxy said is that the church is created for this. We were made for this, not to be afraid of this. Um, and right now, uh, there's kind of like three major reactions that we're, I think we're seeing by uh, church leaders because none of us have ever been through this. I've never seen anything like this before. And the, you know, social, um, mental, spiritual, financial impact is, I mean, we don't know what it's going to be, but this is really hard. Um, but we've been asking the question, you know, what does the church do when you take away its buildings and its programs? 
Good question. Right. <laughs> and there it is. What, do you, what does the church do? And uh, I think three general responses can be, one, survival. So we try... So we got to pull all our people in and just keep them connected, which is it, there's there's some good impulse there. But uh, that can't be the only impulse if it's just survival uh, for the buildings or for the assets or, or for the gathering. Another impulse is just to be safe. Um, let's shut everything down. I don't know what to do. And so we're just going to play it safe and just and just kind of turtle up. The third response, I think, is really important, and I think it's to serve and send, or we're calling it to support and send our church. Um, and we, I think right now what we've really been emphasizing with our church is like, Hey, the church isn't, isn't closed. The church is open. Right. The church has been sent. We're not stuck. We're sent right, right where we're at, where we are. We have to remember that people in our church are sent into different sectors of society. We have uh, the people in the medical field that are making a really hard decisions and uh, long hours and exhausting themselves doing all kinds of amazing things. We have people in government, uh, church, you know, Christians and government that are salt and light, just like Ruxy said, they're like the leaven from heaven in the dough that God has already sent there. And we have to remember that. And we, and our job as the church is to support that and to tell those stories. Um, we have, you know, business people and trades people and moms and dads and homemakers, and they've all been scattered through the neighborhoods and businesses and, you know, in their socially, um, you know, socially safe uh, ways that they've been sent to those worlds. And, and some like the doctors, their, their roles aren't that safe. You know, like many of us, we can stay socially uh, distant, but they, they can't. So um, we're just reminding our church that, that, that it's not time. It, the time isn't to focus on the gathering right now. The time is to focus on the scattered church. Mm-hmm. And so that means church isn't closed. It's open. We're out. And uh, so I, I can go through some really practical things. Does that sound cool? Yeah, do that first. When you you say, like? Are you allowed to go out? Like, what's the status <laughs> on the ground where you are? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, like, I, you know, it's like it's weird, really weird in one way. Like when you drive around, it feels like you're in a zombie movie. Yep. It just feels like a zombie movie. Like there's slow moving cars if there's any cars out there. Um, but at certain points of the day, it's, it's fine. People, uh, I took my daughter on a walk and we had, there were just tons of people walking in the sunlight because the sun's out in the Northwest and all these people are hanging out, but you know, everyone's maintaining this, the safe social distance from each other. Um, but there's a, there's definitely a, a cloud of fear, um, over everything. Yeah. Good. I'm going to pause you there because we're going to have time to get into some, some really practical things. Um, yeah, Angela. Yeah, can we hear from Tara Beth? Do you mind answering the same questions? What is the what restrictions are you living under? And then at the end of this, what would you like your community to say about Paznets? Yeah, yeah. So we are not in shelter in place, though there is a lot of rumors uh, that we will be. So Paznets is located in Pasadena, California. We're just outside of Los Angeles, um, and. It feels like we're shelter in place, though, because schools are shut down, restaurants are shut down, businesses are shut down. Most companies are requiring employees to work from home um, if you are 65 and above. Um, you are encouraged to stay home. 
though we have some people on our staff who are that age and it's really hard to get that generation to slow down. Um, Very much. <laughs> they don't, they don't like being told to sit down and slow down. No. No. Um, so we're not shelter in place, but it feels like it. And so um, we, we are not gathering um, on Sunday mornings. Um, everything is dark on our campus. And so uh, we made the decision last Thursday to go dark and we were, it felt like, we were one of the first churches to make that decision in Pasadena. I was in touch with a lot of pastors as things were happening. And frankly, I, I felt like I was just um, experiencing a little shock last week. I, I pulled the, uh, the staff together last Monday, and we started um, with uh, guiding principles um, to help us make our decisions in the coming days. And uh, we continue to lift up those guiding principles um, for us. And those, those guiding principles carried us through the decision to not gather on Sunday mornings. Um, and they continue to carry us through decisions. We're meeting uh, tonight as finance and personnel committee and as a board. And so for us, those guiding principles, we hope will help us illuminate in our community. And be the church. So our first guiding principle is we're still the church. We're always the church. Um, whether we are gathered under one roof um, or it feels like the great diaspora, we are, we are the church. And so that's our first, first principle. First and foremost, we want to make every decision um, through that lens. That's who we are. Uh, we want to be wise stewards. We've, we, I mean, during this time, uh, churches really have got to take stewardship seriously. Um, I had one one friend tell me that um, he read an article. I, I can't quote this where this came from, but that um, forty percent of churches may not last through this financially. Uh, local churches. Yeah, um, it's not shocking. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so with that, then our third guiding principle is we want to be wise and not an anxious. And so we want to make wise and sound decisions, uh, but not lead out of anxiety. And I think, you know, a lot of you can probably relate. We've made a lot of decisions um, that can be interpreted as anxiety. We all have people yeah. within our churches that are spiritualizing and saying, why are you giving into fear? Why are you giving into hysteria? Can't we just trust God and get together anyway? Um, mm -hmm. And so we're trying to teach and lead our people what it means to be wise. And then with that, um, what it means to be good community members. And so how can we participate in flattening the curve? Um, but with that, we want to protect the vulnerable we want to protect the elderly. And so how then can we continue to be the church, caring for the vulnerable and caring for the elderly? And so one of my hopes through this, I, I have just a couple of different hopes, but that Paznaz would be remembered as a church that was for their community and for their neighbors during this time. And we've been doing a lot of dreaming um, of what that looks like and how we can continue to, to do that, even if we end up in a shelter-in-place situation. Um, we are praying that we would just, we think this is an opportunity for us to think outside of the box. We're not um, restricted by just the same imagination that so many churches sometimes get stuck in. So we, we're, we're kind of excited about the opportunities um, for this. And, and then I'm also just dreaming about, um, I, I think that there's a lot of sen sensitivity right now in our neighbors that people are spiritually curious. There's a lot of opportunities, as Bruxy says, to generate conversations about Jesus. And so I'm imagining come August when churches come back together, and I just really 
believe in my bones, there's going to be an incredible revival in the church. Uh, I just really believe it. I can see it. And so one of the things that we're talking about is, is, is keep your eyes on Jesus and also just imagine what it's going to be like when we do come back together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Josh, man, um, would love to hear what, what's the status on the ground. Yeah. So you and George are kind of neighbors. Neighbors. <laughs> yeah, you guys are both in Washington State. You're both kind of in surrounding areas from Seattle. Uh, so what's it look like on, on your side of the river, so to speak? Yeah, I, uh, man, I hate having to go third because they did such a good job. <laughs> Can I vote to go first next time? I, uh, man, um, I, Georgia, I mean, it's right. It is like a ghost town. So I have a friend who rides the ferry. Half of our community works in Seattle. We take a ferry, which is a boat that holds, you know, a thousand people and 300 cars. And the other day he sent me a photo of peak rush hour and there were 14 people on the ferry turn wow. on the ferry. And that is like, I don't, I can't remember a time ever that that's happened <laughs> uh, where I've been on a ferry, even at like one in the morning where there's only been 14 people on a ferry. Like it just doesn't happen. And so it's a, it's a literal ghost town. We've not Here. been given shelter in place. Um, but I would say our governor has communicated shelter in place without using those words. So, yeah. so every restaurant is closed except for takeout. Every, um, if you're not a pharmacy or a grocery store, you're pretty much closed. Our local mall shut down the other day. So like we can't, you can't go and buy a pair of clothes if you need it. Amazon yeah. has said they're restricting warehouse use to only medical supplies mm. for Amazon owned facilities. And so, um, it's a pretty big deal. Uh, we, you know, like Tara Beth, we were probably one of the first, we were not required to stop gatherings. We could have still done them if it was under 250 people. We made the choice at that point in time for safety of community, safety of our members that we were going to not gather, uh, that Sunday. And that was a really hard decision. Um, could you have done it? So you, you guys have we, seven locations. Could you have kind of, we could have spread out enough for those. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, so, I mean, information was changing by the hour. I would say like, what was it like on the ground? Every time I wrote an email and hit send, I felt like I had to send a new one because the information changed. And so, I mean, we were doing daily updates to our people, our staff, our elders. And every time I would give one, something had changed. So Monday we were going to not gather in schools because they'd asked us not to. Mm -hmm. So we found alternate sites. We were ready to go. On Wednesday, we made a decision that we were going to come together in one place and spread out our gatherings. And on Thursday afternoon, we made the decision that we were going to not gather in person, but we were going to gather online. So instead of being on site, we'd be online. So that happened in a space of four days. We went from seven locations to an online experience. Um, And just, you know, we're blessed with big churches who have resources like Life Church, who has an online church center that you can, anybody can download and use We use that at the meeting house this weekend. Uh, I I mean, praise God for uh, churches who leverage their resources to help the greater kingdom. I think this is going to be a time where I think the big C church is going to come together in a way that we haven't seen. Uh, I have a friend who says he thinks denominationalism was one of the downfalls of the church in the last 300 years. And so I just wonder what would it look like if we have to look around and say, it doesn't matter what church you attend. We're actually all a part of the church. Yeah. It is this body of believers that's sent out into the world and we're actually one team. And could this team take over our communities in a way that the communities would look back and go, I don't know what was different about those groups of people, but it felt different. 
I felt different. I was invited into something that felt different. And so mm-hmm. uh, we're encouraging our people to live out that uh, in this season. So uh, kind of option C would be what we, we preach a lot of, you know, everybody tries to force you into option A, option B. So you have people in our church who are saying, you know, close down, don't do anything. The government said so. You have other people who are like, no, gather anyway. The government can't tell the church what to do. And then we're going to be option C that's going to say, how, do, how would Jesus have navigated this? What would he have said? What would he have done? That's called third way. We, we, yeah. In our tribe, we call that third way. Your option C, we call it third yeah. way. Yeah. And so we're, we're just trying to live that out uh, in this season. So generosity uh, over fear. That's probably a message we've been, I've been talking a lot about. Uh, I think this is a season where people are going to hoard and actually, the church has historically, in seasons where everybody else would hoard resources, the church has given them away. Yeah. Yeah. And so, what does it look like for us? So, like practically, I'm trying to cut 25% of our budget of what we spend without cutting personnel for the sake that our church can be more generous in this season than we normally are. That's so, so good. I meet in six schools, so I don't have to pay rent to those six schools could I take the rent payments I had and help support the servers and the waiters and the waitresses who are out of work? So, so, good. Cool. You know, so how do we reframe that? And so we started a compassion fund that we're going to use um, just to help people who are affected by COVID and uh, not being out of work. So you, you say like, what does it look like to be where we are? We have, a, I mean, I know of several members in the church who have been tested for COVID. It's likely we're going to have one who will test positive our local employer largest employer in town has 24 active cases that they are currently testing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, and the people who work there, cause it's a federal government job still have to go to work. So we're trying to navigate this. Uh, Tara spoke so well to it. Uh, we're trying to navigate this fear mindset and how do we actually make wise decisions in the midst of fear uh, when people are feeling anxious and scared. And so we're trying to lead with encouragement, lead with hope um, and praise God for technology it has uh, given us a chance to unite our people and unite um, each other with uh, messages of hope and messages of encouragement. That is awesome. Not bad for third, bud. Not bad. <laughs> good. Okay. Thanks, Josh. Let's, can we unmute Tara Beth and George and let's dive into this round table. That's a perfect Okay, who is noticing how often we're all touching our faces? Can we just call that out? (laughs) I promise to do something about that when I stand up. (laughs) Um, Okay, can we, I mean, we've got, I know we we need to address some of the feelings that are here, but I know we're also begging for practical whatever. So could we discuss a little bit what you're doing to pastorally care for your people in-house virtually? Like, what are you using trying doing succeeding at failing at (laughs) yeah so so for us i mean there's there's a number of ways i know immediately when things really started to unfold and we things were changing minute by minute i just had this immediate um urgency uh, to gather our people and so for me pastoring i I am a mom, I have children, and so it's really hard for me to not see pastoring through the lens of mothering. And so I just had this immediate um, urgency to gather our people, um, which is really hard because I have, we we do do a live stream ministry every week, and so that's something that's common for us. And at the same time, you know, like all of us, we struggle with, you know, okay, what what is live stream for? You know, it's for our shut-ins, it's... 
for those who are, who are checking us out, but we want it to be an alternative. And now all of a sudden we're realizing that live stream is the means in which we are able to um, gather our people. And so when I realized that I didn't, that we weren't going to be able to gather our people, we went on live stream on Thursday night. So I went live um, so I could speak to our conversation, uh, to our congregation. Um, I wanted to gather them. I wanted to gather them. And I wanted to immediately begin speaking hope um, and just how we were going to together navigate this. And so I am really grateful that we do have a live stream ministry um, and that we are able to do that. We, um, we have um, multiple worshiping um, communities within our church. And so we are a intergenerational and an intercultural church. And so we immediately had to pivot because um, not all of our ministries do live stream. And so um, Sunday was, was a trip. I mean, we were just like flying by the seat of our pants. Um, we, we live streamed all of our language speaking ministries. Um, we live streamed um, our service. And, um, but but like all of us, you know, this is an opportunity for us to not just gather, but to empower people. And so um, we are learning how to gather people on Zoom, but also to equip people to go out and be the church. And so um, I don't know how many people saw the C.S. Lewis quote going around last week about the atomic age. Um, and so we talked about that on Sunday morning, and we've been referring to it quite a bit um, recognizing that, you know, just four weeks ago, we all gathered with ash on our face. And we said that we are dust and to dust we shall return. And one of the things that C.S. Lewis reminds us is that we, we all have a death sentence someday. Uh-huh. And so, you know, when, you know, for him, when this atomic bomb comes, he was encouraging the people to be caught up doing, um, you know, doing normal things. And for us, we're saying, okay, so when the COVID virus comes, what are we going to be caught up doing? Um, my prayer for us is that we are caught up um, with our eyes on Jesus. We are caught up praying, and then we are caught up serving and loving our neighbors. And so we, um, through the help of our support staff um, and really tech-savvy people, we've created an online form that we are spreading throughout our community and social media um, that people can come to our website and fill out, and they are filling it out. Um, And so we have people that want to sign up to help, to uh, pick up prescriptions, to pick up groceries. And then we have people that can sign up that need help. Um, And these are particularly the the vulnerable people. Um, You know, in our communities, we still have people that are going through chemo treatments. We still have people um, that are immune deficient. You know, my father is fighting stage four cancer. And I thank God that his church down in Chicago is bringing him food because I don't want him in the grocery stores. Right. And so we've really got to think about those people that are, that are extremely at risk. And so how can we mobilize with wisdom, with caution? How can we mobilize our people to care for them during this time? Um, we've, we have also divided up a phone tree um, amongst our pastoral staff that they can also then um, divide up among their teams. And so we, our pastoral staff is overseeing about 160 people each, which feels like a lot, but... 15, 16 to 20 calls a day um, or text messages. Um, and so our staff is, our hope is that every person in our congregation gets a phone call every single week so we can check in on them. And we have um, a great uh, church database where we can put notes in the notes page um, to say so-and-so was checked in on, you know, their, this is their situation. 
Um, and so we're able to keep note of that. Um, so those are just a couple of ways that we are trying to mobilize people. Um, re realizing that this could go on for a while, you know, we might be in a situation where there is a shelter in place, but then that could be lifted, but then we might still be, you know, not be able to gather. We've talked about, could we do drive-in worship? I mean, like, just go back old school yeah. and get some low-frequency yeah. FM radios, like, on Sunday, <laughs> and can we just, can we do that? So, uh, one of the things we're just talking about the staff is we've just, we've got to be creative and lean into the missional imagination of our triune God. So good. Thank you. Uh, I know of a church in here in Ontario that set up a hotline. They went to the mayor's office in their town. They're, they're more of an outlying church. And uh, now they are, uh, they have a hotline to their whole community via the mayor's office where they're putting that out, where people can call in and do what you're doing, Tara Beth, um, both with a hotline and then with an online form. So it seems like, it seems like we're mobilizing in that way. Um, in the chat, somebody asked, how are we, like ministering to business leaders and supporting them. And I know that that George, that that's a, you're a sending church and you send people into those sectors of our community. So what is, um, what does care look like as you are now trying to kind of build off of this reality to pastorally care and support both the business leaders or any other kind of industry leaders in your church and then maybe even beyond. Yeah, so we the way we organize, uh, and we've been doing this the last few years and getting better at it, but um, we organize not just around groups, like for friendships, that, that does happen a lot, but we also organize around like um, what we call communities of calling. Mm -hmm. And so we immediately sent out emails. Um, I think we asked four questions. This is top of my head. So I, I wasn't thinking about mentioning this, but uh, we sent out questions and we've been sending it out to most of our groups too. Is like, where, what's your need? And this is a phone call and email. We're trying to get out. What's, what's the greatest need you have? Um, how can we pray for you? Where are you seeing signs of hope? And there's a fourth one. I can't remember, <laughs> but, um, but, Oh, the, yeah. The fourth one was um, how can you support people within your community of calling your neighborhood, your, uh, your friend, your friend group. And so like trying to generate learning that's reciprocal um, mm -hmm. and trying to, we want to be a support and sending church. So we're supporting the church. We have, we basically used our online platform to share the two plans, how we're supporting and how we're sending you. And, um, and so the support end is, um, you know, our Sunday online services. And we were scrambling, uh, just like Tara was saying, like in three days, we put together an online, an online service with worship and teaching and, and all that stuff. But the most important thing to me, because we wanted to be ascending church was we, we had, uh, we had a, a put a few teams together, um, a wise counsel team to give us wisdom to make wise decisions. We put a communications team for internal and external communication. Then we put a team together for community blessing. And I wanted to make sure we had a community blessing plan. We just called it our community care plan. And we just have it real simple. It's see, care, share. And uh, we, we have a neighborhood branch of that where we created a, a PDF and we're, it's going to be updated with, because like uh, Josh was saying, it's changing all the time. Yeah. But we've got an updated version that'll be coming out that's really training our, our church to go around their neighborhood and just drop off something that connects their community group or their, excuse me, their neighborhood. And it um, helps them 
connect in a safe way, whether it's text, phone call, or just dropping something off that has resources, just basic resources like in the community that are available through our church, um, ways that we can serve uh, the neighborhoods, and the, and also generating s- generosity within those neighborhoods, because that would be the best thing to see yes, the yes, yes, generosity yes. rise in the neighborhood. And we've used the story of the you know the bread and loaves and, uh, and the loaves and fish and how Jesus, when he broke and gave the bread, he put it in the disciples' hands and, and there was this uh, multiplication that happened. And we can't physically do that uh, as easily, but, but the concept of multiplying generosity is really, really important right now, like Josh said. So, um, so we have a, a neighborhood plan, and then we also have a more centralized plan, which is what we're calling our community plan. Similar to what Tara said, we, we've uh, mobilized the church by you know, saying, hey, we need donations. We're going to put together care, care kits for people um if you need anything you can message us here we we've we sent that out to people so they could share with their neighborhoods we've got it online and we also need volunteers who can do drop off for prescriptions or yeah food any any of that kind of stuff um so we've set that up as well um and then we're really yeah i've just got to applaud you uh when i went on your website to see okay what are they doing to communicate how services are changed I loved the fact that instantaneously you couldn't miss your update about logistics, about how this will affect the church and calming people down in that way, but in the same breath was sending the church out. It, if you uh, can, check out Whitewater Community Church's website. Their language was incredible, but their, that heartbeat of how can we care for you and you care for other people is just woven through all of their COVID response. Sweet. Sweet. We, we really had a great teams come together. I'd encourage anybody who's listening, get your best people working together, you know, online, Zoom, uh, WhatsApp. I learned about WhatsApp by serving in Africa. That's what all the African pastors do. It's free and it's great. Um, and um, so what we really want to do is communicate to our church. We have a supporting um, plan for you. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna have daily devotionals, whatever that might be for your church. We have daily devotionals, and we're gonna we're gonna have online church, and and uh, we just release it at eight because we want it as accessible as possible. We had so many people who aren't used to doing like uh, the you know the online service where it's at the it's it's streamed at a certain time. We just wanted to release it so anybody could access it very easily. Um, we are gonna support them with the care kits. We're gonna be calling. We've set up teams to call. I want every Everybody in our church to get a call at least once a week um, and that's you know outside of their their community groups because we have a lot of new people and people who aren't technically in a group so we want to take care of them how do we do that um, and then resource 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 and so here's the here's the support plan and then the sending plan we just have been trying to make that as clear as possible it's a moving target you know with all the changes happening but we're doing our best to communicate with our teams but I, I would really encourage anybody out there put together teams of your best people for at least communication internal external a team for uh blessing the community how can we empower the church to do that within the you know the cdc um recommendations and all that and then uh also getting wise counsel we we went outside we included our normal advisory team but also people who are from the medical field um anybody who could give us wise counsel because like josh was saying man thursday you had 
had like more than half the, you know, you know, Christian church was upset and feeling like they're being controlled and we're not going to give up meeting. But then when you started looking at statistics that are happening in Italy and in uh, South Korea, all of a sudden you're like, no, this is this, we need to move. And we need to move, but we need to mobilize while we're doing. This is a tremendous opportunity to mobilize the church. Hey, George, would you be able to send your neighborhood plan with like that PDF that you're dropping off in neighborhoods? Could you forward that? Is that something you could share? Yeah. Yeah, we can get that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. So, Josh... Third, <laughs> well, however, I imagine being a multi-site church has some differences on oh how my. you're going about both caring for your people and mobilizing them. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. So we had, I mean, we're seven sites. Uh, we call ourselves one church, many locations. And so, but some of it is, is so similar to what everybody else has said. And so, um, number one, we're calling every single person we have a phone number for. And I so like, that. but some of this you have to teach, we have a, we have a lot of young leaders. And so we're teaching them how to make phone calls. So we actually made a phone call script <laughs> that we sent out. We practiced phone calls together. Does it include how to dial? <laughs> no, they, like they can tell us how to send a text message or like a video, maybe a snap. We don't like, but they, they need our direction on, um, oh, by the way, if you're calling someone, it's appropriate to leave a message. there's a generation that actually they believe phone calls if you don't answer you'll see that you missed my call and so you'll you'll return it there's also a generation in our church that says no i'm not even gonna call you back unless you left me a message and so we're trying to help them uh, understand that Um, the second is we're trying to we're trying to embrace creativity like crazy I think this is the time when the church has become the most creative is during this type of season. And so what are the creative ideas? So we, we held our last in-person meeting on Monday where we practiced social distancing. We had 50 people in a big, huge room. Um, but we were, it was all around creativity. How can we respond and how can we get creative to connect people in this season? And so I do think um, a, lot of our, a lot of our youth, they're home from school utilize them. This is opportunities where they want to lean in. They want to get involved. They're bored to death. And so how can you use um, people that you wouldn't normally use on teams? You know, one of the things in act six, you see, you know, this, this situation where they they had to develop this new team because there so much stuff was going on. And so I just think new teams are going to develop in every church across America Mm -hmm. through this crisis. You're going to create teams and those teams aren't just going to lead in this crisis. Those teams are actually going to lead for the next 10 years. And so I don't, yeah. I'm not, we're trying right. to embrace not being scared of the fact that everybody's going to end up in, in, you know, Tara said August. I pray it's not that long, but I think she's right. Um, I think that in August, you're going to have an entire church with new job descriptions. Yeah. And they're going to include volunteers who have never thought they had a job description in the church. before. And there is no place for them before to serve. Yep. yep. And, young, and, and young adults. And, and so here's, yeah. uh, here's some massively practical things that we did. Um, there's a neighborhood app called the Next Door app. And a lot of neighborhoods already use it. It already geolocates you. So we actually think the number one thing you can do right now if you're a follower of Jesus is be an incredible neighbor. So we're just challenging our people. Would we as the church take over the neighbor, the Next Door app with offering things that we can help with? Hey, we want to. Do you need us to go to the grocery store for you? We've got your back. Can we go grab your prescription? Do you need a ride to the doctor? Can we walk your dog for you because you don't feel safe getting out of the house right now? Can I send my son to mow your lawn? I mean, what can we do in this season to be the best neighbors? So, like, I think the church has historically we've done great with each other with yeah. the inside the church walls people. 
this is going to force us out to be great neighbors, great yes. community members, yes. great, great friends. Great Josh, friends. you're speaking about creativity. One of the things we did is um, we created a note because we that scripts out stuff, right? Just like you did. And we had a note that we, you know, people can, you know, set on people's doorsteps as neighbors and we're encouraging them to either use a can of soup or a roll of toilet paper. <laughs> I love it. I, I did that. We, uh, we made bags, brown paper bags, and we wrote, uh, COVD, COVID-19 survival kit, and we put a toilet paper in it. And then we stapled a note that just said, we want to be good neighbors. If you need something, here's our number. Or if you want to be on a neighborhood action team, like here's how you could sign up for that. That's and cool. it, went, it went viral. The paper picked it up and two papers in our region are highlighting it. That is so good. Yep. Uh, another idea we had, uh, so we're not going to be able like, I mean, Easter's a real problem. Or, a or an opportunity. Yeah. What a sentence. So one of the things yeah. you see in the, in the, in the early church in the book of Acts is this, this common language of, and the Lord added to their number. And so we're just wondering in this season, how many is the Lord going to add to our number? And so we had this dream that what if the church went underground at Easter and instead of having a thousand people in a room, you actually had a thousand homes who were actually opening up their home to their three or four or five close friends where they could practice safe things but they can watch messages together and so we're preparing for kind of an underground easter movement this year uh we don't know what that'll look like we're just starting a dreaming stage but we're trying to lean in uh the drive-in is something we've talked to in our community there's one drive-in you know could we do just a worship night so we're actually not even sure that the message is the most powerful there yeah we do know that right now when we're when we're having worship it actually is engaging beyond anything else because people just want a chance to be sung over and, and prayed for and feel cared for. And so we're doing that. And then we're doing daily devotions on Facebook. So we've just split up as a team. We created a resource that says, here's the equipment we need you to buy in your home. Uh, so we have like what we call story booths. So they're Amazon links to this is what you buy to set up a spot in your house where you could record a message and have good lighting, the right camera. It's not Blair Witch like this, but it's actually, <laughs> you know, so we're trying to be smart about that. Um, kids and youth, I think this is a time where every parent wants to be equipped. I mean, think about it. I just literally overnight, I started to work from my house, homeschool my children, figure out what it means to work and homeschool at the exact same time <laughs> and not fight with my wife. Who's also working from home. So I'm yeah. like, the church is going to need marriage counseling. We need Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, yeah. I mean, literally my house needs them. But like, so we're like, literally we're putting together what would it look like to do an online marriage class? Cause I actually think we're going to see That's more so marriage good. problems wow. right now than you ever have. So lean in. I think <laughs> parents are going to raise their hand and go, I don't know how to parent in this season. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One thing to add to that, Josh, is that we're learning too is um, as as the ideas are coming, um, how do we disseminate? How do you? How do we get them out to people? And there's a lot of there's so much information on Facebook, uh, Instagram. There's so much information right now. Um, what we're learning is to to be really concise and clear so people will see it and know it um, because there's so much stuff that's coming out. So I'd be curious, like how you're thinking about that. <laughs> um, we, we need to think more on it. I mean, what we're trying to do, <laughs> I would say we're trying to just be simple. You know, it's so funny, like less words, it equals more action almost all the time. We know it. I mean, and what's funny is our communicators do it incredibly on a Sunday morning. 
but then we don't necessarily do it when we write. So I like think like you're trying to create the best one liner and do it. And you have people on your teams, we all do, or in your community that know how to word and phrase things in a way that people will grab them. Um, so our kids team is sending a weekly email now and we're actually, we're structured. Here's what we do on Sunday mornings. We're empowering you to do it at home. So it just is a very concise email. Here's the lesson. This is the first, here's a video. Here's your action step that you can do. Um, as a family in the evening, uh, our groups team, we sent a really clear email with, uh, we're moving from on-site groups to online groups. Yep. If you have never used zoom, Google chat or Hangout or Skype in a group call before, here's how. So we gave them directions and we encouraged our groups to go virtual. Uh, most groups aren't looking at content together. They're actually mostly centered around uh, communication and support and care. Mm -hmm. how do we encourage you to be together and at least you know even this we can see each other's faces and it makes a big difference and so um we're doing middle school messages on sunday morning so we have a separate team outside of our normal gathering that's just doing a message for middle schoolers on sunday morning uh, because we think that middle school is a a special age that requires special attention and so we want to make sure that we're doing a great job communicating to that age group and helping empower them to be the church in this season. Um, the last thing that we're doing that might surprise you uh, is we are doing metric, like we are defining new metrics for what the win is in the season. Mm-hmm. So for example, I actually want our group's number to double right now. Yeah. So, so I, I think this is an explosion opportunity for groups in your church. People need community. They want community. They yeah. don't know how to find it. And, they, and like the number one thing that's going to get us through the next four months is community. It is literally being yeah. the church. So we're asking our groups team, how can you double the number of groups right now uh, in the next three weeks? We're asking our kids team uh, to create, you know, use social media. So, but track it, see what's working. What posts get attention? What posts are people downloading? What videos are people watching? So I'm paying more attention to the metrics behind the scenes than I've probably ever done because they're going to define what's working and what's not working. And we're going to lean in and we're going to encourage people to, to grow their ministries um, in the, in the season and in, in light of everything that's going on. So if you haven't done it already, take a, a snapshot of how many Facebook likes you have as a church and how many Instagram followers you've got, and then set a goal to double it by the content you're pushing out. And I think when we, um, Tara said it, uh, George, when we provide relevant content to our community, they're going to share it, watch it and want to see it. And they, and they tell you what they need. Yep. <laughs> Amen. Right. Amen. So I have a, I have a couple questions. Um, first off, I would just want to chip in a resource from the meeting house that we're developing. Uh, we do home churches and all of our home churches, we have, we have 150 home churches across our church and those are all now virtual going virtual. So we're developing a guide for how to integrate the technology to create community because we know how to create community without it, but the technology itself is a barrier Mm -hmm. and there are actual ways to use the technology and to coach people through the technology to um, normalize some things and Mm -hmm. to be able to create that sense of belonging and community through the technology. So if that would be helpful, we'll put that in the, the resource bin as well. So, Brad, there's a couple things. People are asking when or what, where do they go to get the uh, Life Church platform that they can use to live stream? I saw it on Life Church's Instagram, so we could look that yeah, up and yeah. put that in our resources that we put out later. 
Okay. Yeah, it's, it's called Church Online. Uh, if you sign up for their email, they just sent an email this week actually saying, if you want to go live, here's how. Okay. So it's Church Online. Uh, just go to that and they can walk, they walk you through the next steps. Facebook is also creating um, more. We were on the phone with Nona Jones um, earlier this week, who's the director of global faith engagement with Facebook. And she's putting a ton of effort and energy into how to help every church go live. In this so if you reach out to the Facebook team, uh, they are also trying to uh, put a massive amount of energy in equipping churches to go uh, live on Facebook as well, that's, which is which tends to actually be easier. Could I could I mention something too about um, partnering with other churches? Because um, what we're doing right now, uh, I think I think is really important to be doing locally with other churches that are you know aging or don't have the resources. Um, we've we've been trying to share resources and pull people into like that, you know, care kit saying, Hey, we can, we can do this together. It doesn't have to be just one church that has this. Uh, we've got um, my dad's church isn't, isn't far away. They're, they're actually giving people um, their space to do recordings um, because for churches who don't have the technology or the know-how um, I, I just think it's a really important thing of uh, reaching out. I reached out to one um, guy who named Pastor Sue. She's at the Presbyterian Church. She's got a, a, an aging congregation. And I, I called her and she's like, "Hey, how can we? How can I support and pray with you? And what's going on with your with your church?" She said, "My my son right now has COVID nineteen. He's twenty seven. He has asthma." And um, I was just like, oh, you know, just there's those moments where it just becomes very real and um, he's, he's okay. They, uh, they did, you know, all the stuff they needed to, and he's all right. And uh, but it, those, those moments you're like, wow, we need to, we need to reach out and help each other. And I, so I would just, I would add that in the resources that we have here as leaders, we need to pass on those to other leaders um, in our local community. Good. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. John, are you okay if we, like, I know you and I have a hundred thousand more questions yep. because we've just written more as they've talked. <laughs> However, are you okay if we switch to, to Q&A? Because I assume our audience members also have similar yep. questions. Yep, I do. And I, wh one thing I'd like us to do is for us to make room for anybody who's in a church of, uh, say, 200 or below, I would like to give you guys a shot to ask questions We've, we are uh, at this table, we are larger churches and we're chipping in larger church things. So maybe you have a question that is more pertinent to your church size and stage. So we want to hear from you. And then if uh, you have an amazing idea as a similar size church to the question that may come up, please put that in the chat and then we'll try to read that out. Or maybe you could even link to each other if you're both on the call live right now. So does anybody from a, a smaller church have uh, an amazing idea that you want to share or a question that maybe uh, those of us with some resource knowledge could chip in on. And so, so uh, the, to ask a question, I believe that you can um, kind of raise your hand. So if you go to manage participants at the bottom, there's a, a bar, click on that. You can find your name and then there's a button that says raise your hand we would then uh, turn your video on so that you can chat with us and, or you can put it in the chat and we'll just read it out. So the first one is uh, from Emma McIntosh. I'm a part of a small church in a community with many people that have poor mental health or addictions. And I'm finding that helping people to help each other gives, giving them tasks to do like phone, 
phoning others and getting uh, shopping done, et cetera, gives them a focus and reduces anxiety. That is a great point, like helping us to steer away from uh, after we kind of get our basic needs met to then steer into other people. So that's so good. Zach has a question. He's raised his hand. Awesome. I'm trying to turn on his video so he can ask it directly. Hi. Hey, Zach. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. So when it comes to the at-risk community, uh, especially poverty, homelessness in our area of Mississauga, uh, which is in Ontario, Canada, where can these people self-quarantine? Like if we, because our building's closed, nobody's using it, whatever. Um, well, normally homeless communities would hang out, you know, Starbucks, Tim Hortons, McDonald's, things like this. They're all closing. So we've got mass populations of young families. You know, shelters aren't taking anybody. How do we address this? What does this even look like? How do we begin that? A, re a really good resource um, is to, uh, that I would encourage is to look at uh, Saddleback Church has um, an initiative they've been doing for a while called the Peace Plan. And uh, the Peace Plan has uh, multiple resources, people you can contact, and they've been doing this uh, globally and locally for quite a while. And I think there would be some great, great resources and people you could, that would talk with you and, and give you everything they have. They're very generous with uh, their resources. Because, I mean, that's an incredible question that a lot of people are probably facing right now. Thanks, Zach. Good question, buddy. Good to see you. Likewise. Yeah. Other questions for the chat? Yep. Uh, Angela, you want to take this one? Oh. Looks like we are... I am not seeing it. Well, somebody had said we're offering our video service capability to other churches who may not be able to figure that out. Um, so the pastor just needs to come to their site so they can preach. So if you could email us, uh, in the chat, we're going to put an email address. If that person, 489189, could email us where you are, that would be really helpful, and then we can help spread the word. I can't. We have 113 participants on this call, so there is – I can't imagine there aren't questions. So I'm guessing we're giving space for the smaller churches. Um, while we're waiting for those questions to come in, if you're in a larger church, go ahead and toss that into the chat. Could, uh, could our roundtable discussers uh, speak just a tiny bit to, and I mean just George, yes. Can I mention one other thing? Yes. I wanted to make sure I got, I got this out there. That question, what does the church do when you take away its buildings and its programs? I think that question is important because we, we we're thinking from a certain perspective, like we can't use our buildings now, so they're empty, and a lot of pastors are despairing. I mean, like budget-wise, it's, it's a scary time. But I think if we shift that mindset again to, like, we're not stuck, we're sent, um, we need to focus on the scattered church, not the gathered, I think one of the answers to that is that we flip or repurpose our, our, um, our modalities into sodalities. That's like a missional language for we repurpose our building to bless our community. How can we do that? Because what, what are we going to be remembered for? That was a great question. What do we hope our community will remember us for? Is it that, like, we, we primarily used our building for, like, doing a video for people? The community who don't know Christ care nothing for our videos right now. <laughs> the community wants to see churches that are willing to do anything to help their children, the vulnerable, the elderly, their family. Like, that's what, that's what the, the, the church wants. You can probably hear I'm very passionate about this. We have to repurpose buildings.
I'm a church planner, but I don't have a building. Luckily, we've got a great uh, rental space that's letting us do stuff there. It's awesome. We need to repurpose our programs, anything that can be repurposed. You know, whether it's maybe it's a WANA. You know, if your church doesn't a WANA program, an old school, repurpose it and get a WANA stuff out to families. Repurpose uh, community uh, groups or a small group model. Uh, just like Josh was saying, you get that online. Re- find ways of repurposing it to serve a broken world so people can see the value of the church so that i mean that's a helpful answer to like what does a church do you know when you take away its its buildings well they're actually not taken away you give them to the community so i I just really wanted to get that in there (laughs) well no george i'm with you i think the heart of this is if you were to if you were to hand someone a bible and ask them to read the bible and you go and go like what is the church none of them would define it if they'd never read it before the building yes the fact that we feel constrained by a building I think that Jesus is going like, you have totally missed what I've asked you to be a part of because the church was never a building. It's never been about the institution. And yeah, I get that there's business stuff there. There's organizational stuff that happens, but that has never been what the church is. The church is people. This is literally our opportunity to teach and to educate on what the church truly is and who we are. And then I think George, you're right. I mean, every single thing we've done, needs to now be interpreted. We use a term in our community called the 170,000. So whenever we're doing anything, we ask, how does it reach the 170,000? And that for us is a metaphorical number. It was the number 20 years ago in our community that didn't know that they would have said, we don't know. And so we, we are using that language over and over and over again, saying, whatever you're doing, how is it going to reach the 170,000? Are they going to say, thank you? Do they want to lean in? And so, our bar for gatherings for the longest time was if you invited your friend who doesn't know Jesus yet and they came, would they want to come back? That was a question we asked at the end of a gathering. Well, ask that question when you're talking to your neighbor, ask that question when you're walking down your street and you run into somebody else walking their dog. If that interaction, if after that they don't want to lean in more, you probably, I mean, we need to, we need to go back and like, how do we actually become neighbors and friends and family to those around us? in a place where they're experiencing love as, as someone would have experienced it as Jesus describes it, where they then want to lean in and say, there's something different about that community. And so when a small church says, I'm a small church pastor, I'm a group of a hundred people, I'm in a small community and I'm solo. What do I do? Love your community. Just love your community. So I, we've given really clear instructions. So if you're a small pastor, here's some of the things I would do. One, Figure out who the seven are. Go to act six. Figure out who your seven are that you need to empower to be uh, hands and feet of ministry to make decisions and empower them to do it. So there are elders. There are people in your church who can call people in your church for you. You don't have to make every phone call Two, call your local superintendent of the schools and ask him, how can I help? Three, call the mayor in your community and say, what do you need from the church right now? Uh, so one of the things we're waiting for, and, and the answer you're likely to get back right now is we don't know. That's okay. So lean in and say, when you do know, would you, would you let me be one of your first phone calls? Because here's what I want you to know. Our church is for you. Our church wants the community to win. And our church loves you. And we're so thankful you're here and you're doing your job and you're protecting our community. We want you to know we're here to help. So if I'm a small, if I'm any pastor in any town, big or small, some of the first phone calls we need to be making are to our community leaders because they're getting a lot of negative feedback right now. What if the church is one of the groups giving them positive feedback? Them on. Well, what happens, uh, Josh, if you, um, 
make that call? What does that do? Even if they don't call you back, what, what does that establish? I think it establishes that, our, that we as the church are actually a part of our community. We're not separate. So one of the articles that shaped the new life response massively was the Christianity Today article about the Singapore church. And if you haven't had a chance to read it, go to the Christianity Today, read that article. But it was mind blowing. And one of the things it pointed out was the community was looking at the church and saying, why are you con- continuing to do some of the things you're doing that are going to put the rest of us in danger? Wow. And so I think that we as a, as a corporate responsibility in the church need to be viewed as a part of our community and not separate because being the church means we're sent out. So we actually, in Jesus's definition of the church, we don't have an option to say we're separate. We actually are inclusive in the community. And so let's live like that. And I think when you call that leader in your community, and even if they don't call you back, even if it's a Facebook message, they they don't return, you know, tell a friend of a friend who knows them to tell them. But all it does is say the church is cheering for you to win because we feel as much a part of the community as you do, and we've got your back. And they need to know that. We're all in this together. And you're, the, the, the thing that's so important when you're reaching out and building those connections, like when something does happen they do need or something, a bigger challenge happens, you're, they're going to call you because there's trust that's starting to be built. We've, um, yeah, I, I just think that's so cool. We, we reached out to... Uh, our African brothers and sisters, we have a partnership in Sierra Leone and they went through uh, the Ebola crisis and we reached out and, and asked, how did you guys pastor through that? Can, what, how did you deal with that? Like emotionally, how, teach us. And um, I've got a, a phone call later today with, um, with a pastor from there, but we, I mean, we're, we're learning. F- I just love that, that posture you're talking about, uh, Josh and Tara, about how we learn together. And uh, it, 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 we need to learn everything we can and encourage our people to do that. So we have, we have five more minutes before we need to transition. We recognize this is a busy season and things are changing rapidly. Uh, somebody, David Hines Belfast, had put their hand up, and I would just love to uh, hear their question or comment if they could be un unmuted from their video. I don't see them there. There we go. Uh, so we have, we have two of our uh, friends from the UK on right now. My friend uh, Adam has his hand up and then David is in Belfast, Northern Ireland. So David would love to hear from you, buddy. If you could unmute yourself. Okay. We are experiencing some te- technical difficulties. Adam, if you could um, unmute yourself, I'd love to have you chip in. What's going on in Europe, just briefly, and then what are some things that you would chip into this conversation? Um, yeah, sorry that I'm not a little bit late to this. I think there's time zone difference caught me out. But uh, <laughs> I, um, there's a lot. It was a rapidly changing picture in Europe um, when – We've um, just had our, all our schools in the UK. We just had all our schools closed today. Um, people not supposed to be moving around. This, uh, in the last week, we, last week, we were taking a very kind of, oh, we're going to play the long game. We're, it's not too bad. Everyone carry on as normal. Mm. And now that wasn't a great plan. So um, now they've changed the plan and everything's kind of locked down and shut down and pulled back. But it's, um, so it's, been a, it's been a rapidly shifting week for us as a church. Um, We've, and I think we've taken two approaches, which I think I've heard kind of echoed here. One is that we've we've pulled back on all our gatherings, so that everything that'll be streamed. Our small groups are on 
virtual gatherings and our youth, all our youth stuff online, all our children's stuff online, and we're pulling everything back. And we're trying to be quite creative about how we make gatherings interactive. Um, but as a church, we've pushed in and we've gone, actually, we're wide open because the community needs a space because the vulnerable need a space. So we, we host the food bank in the town. In the last week, demand has trebled for the food bank. Um, so we've cleared out our small hall, which is where a lot of our youth work went on. And we've given the whole small hall over to the food bank. And we just said, we're just going to need a lot of stuff. We're going to need a lot of food. We're going to need a lot of volunteers. And we're going to need vans to deliver it because not everyone can get out. And we're going to need – so we're just ramping up that that project now. And I, I was just on the phone to the um, the executive for our council just saying and they, they were asking because we work very closely with them and they're, so they're going to sort some money out so we can buy more food they're going to sort out volunteers they're going to contact all council employees asking them to give financially or practically to the food bank and we're responding that way but we've also opened up our building we're speaking to our health departments about non-medical care what about midwife appointments uh, which can't be held in hospitals or GP surgeries now because of coronavirus and so we're creating space in our building for for midwife appointments for um, what about health coaches um we're creating space for that and then we're creating a prayer space so if people want prayer then they can come down but they'll also be able to access that online um and then we just we kept our coffee shop open we've just put bigger space between the tables so because actually um there was a lot of people who 12 weeks of isolation isn't going to do a lot of good um so if they can come out, if they can connect at a safe distance with people, that's really going to help, particularly around mental health. We've um, we've cancelled our parent and toddlers groups, but what we have done is opened up our large auditorium. We've stripped everything out of our large auditorium and we've just created this big space and said that once a week, parents with young children can come and they can have social space. They can keep a distance from each other, but the kids can run around and they can ride toys and they can and they can. And they can encounter another human that maybe um, will just make them help, help them feel sane. Because if you say to a young mother, you've got 12 weeks with this one-year-old, and it's just you and them, <laughs> none of us going to talk about that. We've got to create space for the community where we can. And, um, and we're speaking proactively, like you said. We're speaking to the chief executive of our council. We're speaking to the head of our health care, to all our GPs, to, um, all the, to our social services. I also... Um, um, chair of governors I don't know what it looks like chair of board I guess for a school um, so we're looking about okay so the schools have to close but how do we continue to um, look after make space for educate children of frontline services so children whose parents are in healthcare, we're going to mm. keep the school open for them so they can still be educated so their parents can still work um, so the health services can carry on also um, children who are at risk because social um, safeguarding is a huge issue. And suddenly we're asking kids who are at risk normally to go home and be in a house with, which isn't necessarily mm. safe for 12 weeks with no, no support. So how do we do that? So we're doing that a couple of ways. Some of those children will keep in education. Um, so we have contact with them. But others, we're going to provide free lunches to them every day and we'll deliver it to their home. So we have some contact with them every day just so we can check in on them and see how stuff's going. Um, so we, we're trying to think quite creatively about how we um, make space for the community in a very different lockdown mm -hmm. situation. Yeah. Thanks, Adam. That's really helpful. Would, uh, John, 
no hour on the fly. Would you mind, Tara Beth, you have uh, had to go quiet for a bit here, but we would love to, to pray. And then we're going to go out, for those of you that can stick around, we're going to go out to breakout rooms to pray together. I know it's going to be tempting to brainstorm and talk about the ideas, yep. but let's, let's pause the strategic thinking part of our brain, or let's surrender it into a conversation with God. I love that Brexy led us in a moment of silence. That is, last night uh, when I got home from about 12 hours of strategic thinking, I just stared at the wall and I, I just needed, uh, honestly, I felt like a decompression chamber. But um, uh, Tara Beth, would you use every motherly instinct that you have that leads you to be an incredible pastor and pray for us before we head out to those breakout rooms for those that can stick around and pray together for 10 minutes, uh, those breakout rooms will be timed. And, you- and, then, and then at the end of that, we want to meet back together. We want to share a final word on logistics, how to get the information that we've collected. So if you could stick around for that, we'll say some kind of final parting words at the end of our prayer time. Yeah. Um, and as we, as we go to prayer, I just want to offer this up um, for the pastors that are feeling overwhelmed. Maybe you are the only pastor um, on staff. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you are new and still developing teams. Um, it can feel really overwhelming. Uh, we've, we've heard a lot of really great ideas, even from people that I would imagine that uh, maybe one of their strengths on strength finders ideation, um, lots of awesome ideas. And sometimes that can be like, Oh my gosh, like I wasn't thinking about that. I, that I didn't have that idea. Let me just say, just, just keep taking one faithful step after the next. Um, ask the Lord every morning when we rise, say, God, today, what is, the next fa- ne- what is the next faithful thing that I can do for my people and for my community? Um, it's just one step after the next. And so um, we, too, we have to practice self-care, take a lot of deep breaths, and just one step after the next. So let's pray. Let's go to the Lord for wisdom, for guidance, and the God who, who establishes the steps of God's people. God, we thank you so much that you are a good, loving God. We thank you so much for the image of the eagle, of the hen that gathers um, your children under your wings. You are our shelter and our hiding place. And so, God, during times where uh, some of us are required to stay inside, some are quarantined, uh, some are still able to be mobilized in the communities, God, we pray that we would look to you as our ultimate shelter and as our ultimate hiding place. And that during this time uh, with so much uncertainty, Would you nourish us? Would you strengthen us? Would you comfort us? I'm reminded of the words from Isaiah, comfort my people, oh, comfort my people. God, we pray during a time of heightened anxiety that your people would be centered and grounded and strengthened in you. And that out of that, the peace of Christ would rule in our hearts, that the peace of Christ would rule in our minds, and that we would be able to think forward through that peace, that we would be able to embody that peace, whether it's on a Zoom call, 
on a phone call, interacting with our children, interacting with our spouses in staff meetings. God, may the peace of Christ rule. God, I pray for pastors to rise up in your power and your anointing uh, and to lead with a non-anxious presence. Lord, would you embolden us and empower us to lead with a non-anxious presence? Would you embolden us and empower us to lean into your imagination? Help us to break out of our imaginations that have been restricted um, through years of, of, of church history. God, help us to break out of that and imagine new things, dream new dreams. I pray for the Acts 2 church that your sons and daughters would rise up, that they would dream new dreams, and that they would prophesy. And Lord, we pray that we truly would be the light of the world, that we would illuminate the love of Jesus. God, I pray that we would join you in rising above and not keeping our eyes just on the chaos and the anxiety, but that we would be people with eyes on you. And out of that, you would help us to have a bigger picture and a bigger vision of what it means to join you on mission. So God, we look to you, we love you, we praise you. You are so good to us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for being uh, together. Like we had 150 leaders registered for this conversation today. And it's been so good uh, just to feel the presence of Jesus. I don't even know how this works theologically, but to feel the presence of Jesus as this uh, gathered community comes together in his name and for his purpose and for his mission. Uh, we have come together around Jesus today, and I think he, I feel and I believe he has met us here in this place. Um, I just want to mention, and then Matt's going to just share uh, a, a few things in terms of Jesus Collective. Our uh, hope and desire is that we would be essentially an Aaron to you as Moses, that we would be able to prop your arms up as Jesus Collective. And uh, we don't know how to best do that for you in this zone. And we need you to help us help you. We want to help you. We want to help support you and put, you know, hold your arms up. One idea that we had that we'll circle back to um, with you next week is maybe just throw open a, a weekly prayer space for us. So as you as a leader, you're uh, like Angela said, ending your 12 hour days, having your strategy problem fixing brain on all day. But we would be a place where you could just be prayed for and uh, have some solidarity with other leaders who kind of know what it's like. So we'll be circling back in a, a week or so. Uh, the podcast that you heard that we created together today will drop tomorrow. And the resources that we're putting in a depository will be shared with that so that you can access the podcast and access those resources through a link. I think that's it. Great. Yeah. And I don't have a whole lot to add, to be honest. We want to respect your time. It's 3.30 on the button. Other than just saying thank you, not just for joining, but for making this what it is. We are a relational network that exists on the back of churches and leaders who are leaning in and creating a sense of community together around this purpose of uniting this movement and equipping it practically. Um, and when we do that, we think it'll be amplified. And we're just seeing that happen today. There's no better time than a crisis to be the church. Um, so if you're new to us, um, we just love to be a place where you can connect. 
maybe that prayer call is something that you're interested in that John said, you can find us online. We'll send out a follow-up email as well. Um, we've already seen some questions. Can we connect people together? That's what we want to do. So we'd love if you wanted to start journeying with us. Um, and we hope we can be a resource to you in the weeks and months to come. That's what we exist for. So we're going to double down on that purpose and be listening to what you need. Okay? So thanks again so much, so, so much everybody. We're all in this together, and we hope that we'll see you again soon, whether it's online or one day, maybe even in person. And let's hear it for our guests, uh, for George and for Tara Beth and Josh. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Terrific. Yeah. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. And hey, don't forget to check in at JesusCollective.com where you can learn more about us, join our mailing list, find info about upcoming online and in-person events, all that good stuff. Or you can find us on social media too. And listening is such an important part of our journey, especially in these early days. So you can feel free to reach out to us with ideas and feedback and suggestions. You can always connect with us by email at connect at JesusCollective.com. We'd love to hear from you.